Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast, proudly brought to you by... Well, it's just brought to you by the My Love of Golf Podcast Network. Uh, we're at the end of our fourth lockdown here in, in Melbourne and uh, we try and jam a few podcasts in when we can. I feel like I've spoken to more people. I don't know what podcast I'm on at the moment, but uh, between the My Love of Golf, the Mental Mastery Golf and the Golf Rules Questions, we're happy to bring you this episode of the My Love of Golf Podcast, joined by the one and only, yes, we're joined by... Can only be the one and only Rocket Rod Heron and... Now, special regular guest. I'm going to say special regular guest. He's very special. You know, shared one of my greatest golfing moments uh, with him in my trip to Barnburgle. It is Magic Mike. Magic Mike Caridi joins us again because it's getting close to a US Open time. So Mike is the man with all of the market conditions. But uh, I'm happy that he's joined us again. How are you, Mike? Good, mate. Very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. I think this is going to be a more regular thing. So stop saying thank you for having me. Just saying hurry up and get on with it. Um, Rocket, <laughs> how are you, son? I'm very good, thank you, sir. And I didn't interrupt my intro music this week. No, that's okay. You know, we're, we're you know only 128 or nine episodes in, so we've had a little bit of practice. But you know, no, you're going well. That's good. Thanks. Hey, um, <laughs> you're pretty excited because you've had a good weekend on the golf, um, on the on the watching of the golf. You've you've talked up the U.S. Women's Open last week, and rightly so. And uh, and you've been pretty excited about what you what you've seen. Uh, we had the Memorial Tournament. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Over Cup. COVID Cup, and uh, we also had the uh, Porsche, the Porsche Masters, yeah, So um, one of the one of golf's favourite new up and well, he's not an up and coming star because he's been around for a while. But we had a, a great win by a great young man uh, over there to talk about. There's probably plenty of plenty of other stuff to talk about. So let's get into it. Rocket, as I said, you were pretty pumped about the US Women's Open. Give us your yep. uh, digestion on on what happened. It was just every day was fantastic. You had something new, you know, from start to finish. You had obviously the the young amateur, uh, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, Mega Gane. So 17-year-old wonder kid from New Jersey who was in the final group, in the final round, still finished low amateur. You know, it's nothing to be sneezed at. So it was magnificent. Then you had obviously Lexi Thompson. Um, You've had... Uh, Angel Ying making a bit of a charge, Brooke Henderson up there, MB Park, so many other other players that were top top notch players contending. But the you know the course delivered again. <laughs> again, it's you know the, sometimes the event is is only as good as the venue, and the venue just was able to deliver just pure magic. And uh, it was just wonderful to watch. I watched the last nine holes in the morning but then went and watched the whole thing again and and more so to just sort of digest a little bit more because I, I wanted to probably put a bit more of a focus on the event because I think it was just fantastic, just fantastic golf start to finish and an absolute worthy winner um, in Yukasaso. So obviously the, her first sort of claim to fame was is everyone liking her, you know, doing the side-by-side with Rory Swing a couple of months ago. And her talking about how she's modelled her game on Rory. You only have to look at it, and you can um, you can see you know all the similarities. And you're just watching a hit a golf ball, and you're like, oh, she can barely strike a golf ball. Then you know it was great that Rory sent a message out, you know, just saying, you know, just go get it and bring the trophy home. So that would have been a nice thing for you know, a young a young up and comer to see that, you know, uh, her idol so to speak you know sending her a message of of, of um 
you know, positive thoughts. And you look at how she started. She started a bit of a shaky par on the first and then went double-double, two of the worst doubles you'll ever see. And, you know, she went from being a couple strokes behind to I think she was nearly seven shots behind very quickly um, behind Lexi. So Lexi was out to about eight under. Um, Sasso was back at about even. Actually, I think she might have been, you know, would she finish on four? No, so she would have been back at about one over. And um, she just absolutely grinded out, absolutely grinded out. And she's played this flawless golf for the last 15 holes. And it was, you know, in true US Open style, you know, the course, you know, was was going to test everyone at some point. And they had to be hitting really good shots when it counted. And if you go back and you, you look at her, you just look at those last three holes when Lexi still had the lead and you look at the shots that even when Lexi was hitting and then Sasso was hitting, like the shots, just the wedge shots she hit into um, into 16, like that was, Lexi had already stuffed it in there at about 10 feet. She's had this real short pitch over the trap to a really tight pin and just jammed it in there to like close. Lexi missed her putt. She made hers. And then up 17, um, she's hit it in the trap and she hit one of the best bunker shots you'll ever see and then hold a just great putt. And then, you know, if you see what happened up 18, she still had a – it was a fair knee knocker to make the playoff after she'd nearly hold the putt to, to win the tournament outright. And, you know, and then you go see what happened in the playoff – you know, not only just, the, not, not so much the first hole, she missed a bit of an opportunity there, but the second hole, um, you know, just to try and keep the playoff alive, she had like about an eight-footer, eight-footer to have the to have it and go, go back to the ninth hole again. Um, and then the shot she hit down, the tee shot she hit down there, she absolutely just smoked it. I think she hit it like 300 yards down there and hit this amazing wedge shot out of thick, rough, Rory style into about 10, 15 feet and rolled it in to win. Like it was just clutch after clutch after clutch after clutch. Um, I, I can't talk highly enough about how she played and she's she's rocketed straight to the, you know, she's rocketed straight to the top of being sort of one of my favourite golfers and one I'm going to watch on, on the women's tour a lot because she's just got, she's got everything. Like she's long, good ball striker, Great wedge game, great short game, great putter. Mike. Mike, you've been watching golf for a long time now. Uh, you would have watched a, a little bit of Lexi Thompson in time. Are you a, are you a Lexi fan? Are you? Uh, when it comes to the women's game, I probably – I'm a bit so-so with a lot of the American talent. I don't really sort of resonate to any of them. Probably Michelle Wee back in the day, but I really like following the Aussies, obviously. But uh, I think Lexi's probably one of those ones that I think a lot of people are either 50-50 on mm. or, you know, have a pretty strong opinion either way. Um, I know – I didn't watch a lot of the golf, the women's golf on the weekend, but I know there was a lot of people talking about uh, the way she sort of fell down or uh, disintegrated over that last 18 holes, uh, which Rocket probably would definitely know better because he watched it. But um, no, her specifically, no, no, uh, no good or bad feelings towards her. Okay. What about, you know, from a betting perspective, does the women's um, open attract much of a market? Do, do many people get on board and, and take a few dollars, uh, lay a few dollars here or there? 
Yeah, from what I've seen in the marketplace, it's like every other part. People are sort of starting to bet on everything and with the women's game, there's certainly people that are interested in it. I think when it comes to that sort of um, being a lower viewed tournament, I think the people that really like golf will bet on it if they think they've got an angle. So if you if you know a little bit about it, you've probably got a lot better chance of getting a winner than the majority of the people that are betting on it because people will just pick it up and go, okay, no worries. Well, these are the top three in the market and they're the only three golf women golfers I've ever heard of. So probably one of those are going to win. So, you know, the Jatana guns and those sorts of um, people are going to cop a lot of money. Whereas I know the one person that I I know pre-market that was getting absolutely hammered was it, is it Rachel Heck? I think she's a, the amateur. Amateur. So she was from that part of the world. She'd come out of college in that area. And I think she was quoted early, early doors about a, a thousand to one. And by the time the tournament started, she was about 80 to one. I think if she, she'd won the tournament, but she didn't, I think she was right at the back. Um, I think the golfing betting fraternity would have retired overnight because I think a lot of people had found this angle in and went with it. And I think a lot, a lot of the golf, betters in that market are doing that more than anything else. Yeah, right. Well, well especially the um, amateur, the, the more more girls feature amateur-wise in, in the US Open than, than, than yep. the men's for, for whatever reason, and, and Rachel Heck especially because she'd just come off a win at the NCAA, and in her two seasons at um, Stanford, she has lost one match. Yep. And that's it. People draw those correlation. West Coast, lines or, up, tournaments on the West Coast, she's in yeah. form. Right, this could be something. And when you see those massive odds, people tend to uh, are happy to outlay yeah, their money. Just jump on that one for you know, yeah. throw a few shekels around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Why not? So is she a, t- a teammate of uh, Gabrielle Ruffles, is, would she be, at Stanford? No, 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 because Gab was at um, USC. Oh, USC. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. I should have known that. Um, the Stanford team is going to be absolutely stacked next year. Because uh, some of the um, other top people that are coming to that um, to Stanford or have committed, actually, in the next couple of years, I think even um, the the girl that finished low amateur Ghana is actually, I think she's verbally committed to Stanford as well. This like their their team is going to be ridiculous in a couple of years. Rocket, what happened with Lexi Thompson? Because it's a little bit, I guess, no, probably not a comparison to how people sort of go with Jordan Spieth, but, you know, she, he's, she's been out of the, the mainframe for a while and then to see this little bit of a, a, a spike in, in her form and, and, you know, she's a favourite. She gets eyeballs on the game. Um, she's a people's champion. Yeah. She's like um, – and, and here's the thing. People forget she's 26 because she's been on tour forever. Yeah. You know, she rocketed to fame as a 12-year-old playing a US Open. I, think she, I don't know if she made the cut that year. I think she made it when she was like 14 or something, which is insane. So she's been in the in the public eye for a very, very long time, sort of a la, you know, like Michelle Wee. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Olympic, and I, I, don't, I don't think I talked about it the week before, but you just look over history, every, every major championship that's played there, it is the boulevard of broken dreams for the people's champions. You can go back to Ben Ogan, um, Arnold Palmer, then you had Tom Watson, you've had Payne Stewart, um, Jim Furyk, and now Lexi Thompson. Um, so it's it's a course that just seems to just, if you're a, someone that the fans love, 
yeah, it's you. It's almost like a curse. It's literally like a curse of San Francisco or something. Um, but in terms of her, like it would have been amazing if she'd won. But watching her over the few days, except for her third round, her third round was just a, it was electric. I actually think she left a few out there, you know, and that's her putting. Putting is really one of her weakest parts of her game. And so she probably should have had a, a couple more shots on the field going into the final round based on how she played her third round. She left a bit out there. Um, and she got off to a good start and she had a five-shot lead with about 12 to play, I think it was. And I think she still had a four-shot lead with nine to play. And But you could see – the thing is, the thing that I could see – um, so there's a, few, a lot of people talk about her swing technique and stuff like that. Well, she's a bit bubber-like, right, in terms of how she swings and she's got all these movements, but she seems to be able to get the ball around. Like she can really crank it out there. Um, she can move it around. She, she kind of got – she hasn't got all the shots, but she knows how to get it around. The thing that you've got – the thing I paid a lot of attention to is her chipping and her putting. Because if you watch that really, really closely, that that kind of inner swing, you know, how, if you see a swing, she kind of has that little sort of a twitch, you know, sort of almost an impact for whatever reason. She has that same thing with her chipping and and her putting. And that, if you go back to that round, I look at the, um, like the 11th hole, she's drove it in the rough, chopped it up just short, and it was just like a real simple straight shot up the green, up this little tier, and she's, just twitched it and just chunked it, you know, lucky to make, lucky to make bogey. Um, actually, no, did she make double there? I think she three jagged it. I think she might've three jagged it. Then there was another hole, um, a couple, a couple of holes later on, actually, or was it, you know, I'm trying to remember back through the holes. Um, there was one on I think 17. She had a little um, bunker shot, no chip shot, kind of chunked it. Even her putts, you only have to look at her putting. She didn't make any, she wasn't making anything. Like the contrast between Sasso from eight feet or six feet and, and Lexi, like Lexi was not even touching the hole, not touching the hole. And, and that is the difference that I put it down to. If Lexi actually, the only thing she needs to improve in her game is her short game, the chipping and putting. That, that is the difference between her being a, a, a great player and a dominant player. Because Peter Green, she's actually pretty good. But around the greens, she's terrible. Like, really bad. Like, she's really streaky and really just... Like you can tell that when the pressure's on, she's she's twitching on her chips. Go back and look at the footage of just even her holes. And that's the difference. She just, she's just twitchy on these chips and putts. And that's cost her. She finishes, what, one out of a playoff. She should have won by seven. Mm. Yeah, well, she brings she brings eyeballs to the to the game, and I'm um, still will never forget uh, watching and, and Grace in loss too. Yeah, um, I will always say I never forget watching her for six or seven holes at the Solheim Cup, and just you know the athleticism in her uh, golf play was you know, you'd watched it on. It's like anything when you when you see someone and follow someone on TV for a long time, and then you see it in, in her, real life. Yeah, her. her Athleticism as a golfer is second to none, and um, but yeah, I think uh, back at the Solheim Cup that led it down as well, the chipping and, and putting around there in uh, the hills of 
Octor Mukti in Scotland or wherever it is over there. If hey, she can fix that, she, like she yeah. could be, she she could be the most one of the most dominant women on tour if she fixes that. That's the that's the difference. And the thing is, if she can fix that, also the confidence goes up. So that means she could be potentially even more aggressive um, elsewhere or provide give more confidence. It's you know. All right. So who have we got eyeballs on? Who do we need to follow on the on the women's uh, game from this point forward? Yuka Sasso. Yuka Sasso. Look out. 19-year-old. She only turns – she doesn't turn 20 for another couple of weeks from the Philippines. And, um, yeah, you just have to look at some of the interviews post. She was super emotional about it, which is um, rightfully so. And I think the realisation of, you know, the enormity of this – fact that she's got a five-year exemption on the tour like she was so stoked about that she didn't know that that came with it and you know for again asia the asian asian golf and especially the philippines like this is going to be just a massive shot in the arm again you only have to look at the leaderboard like asian women's golf is dominating mm. dominating first springboard into your career 19 years old got a five-year Exemption on the LPGA tour. You uh, very well done. Especially the way she plays. I'm. You just you just watch the way she plays, and she has. People talk about Michelle Wee when she first came out. I would say Darso has a better game, all round game. Okay. Well, by miles. Watch this space. You didn't hear it here first, but uh, Rocket is putting big tags on uh, young Yuka Sasso, so let's uh, watch that young lady progress uh, with um, with her career. Now, Mike, let's move to the memorial at Millfield Village. How did the punters fare at uh, the memorial? What was the what was the market pre-tournament, and then uh, how did that all pan out? Yeah, pre-tournament. <laughs> Pre-tournament was probably pretty similar to the way it ended up. It's it's not too often you get three pretty heavy bet people all finishing or being you know coming into the the weekend right up the pointy end of of um, scoring. So Ram, Xander, Shoffley, and and Paddy Cantlay were all you know right up at the top in the favourites before the tournament started, and they did what they were supposed to do and were right there towards the end. I'll say the end being at least uh, two of the three were there in the end. Um, it was from, a, I know we're going to talk a little bit about um, the COVID cup as Rockets called it, but I think probably the most amazing thing that happened this week in, in for, for betting on the PGA tour was when, which most of the, all the listeners would know with John Rahm uh, withdrawing, but being so far in front after the third round, a lot of the um, agencies that take bets actually paid him out as a winner. So I saw a lot of people on Twitter that had actually bet, because normally people will bet two or three people in the market that actually bet, say, Cantlay and Ram, got paid out the win on Ram and then had their tickets still riding on Cantlay and then collected again. So it was a pretty profitable market for the people that, that shopped towards that uh, the favourites in the market. Uh, and, I mean, when I say favourites, I mean, these guys would have been you know, somewhere between 9 and 15 to 1 pre-tournament. At, at, at absolute worst, so good, still good, good profit there. Is that normal for the agencies to 
to do that, or why why did they do it? Is it it's because of a COVID it's just related marketing? At the end of the day, yeah. they'll they'll weigh up what their risk is, uh, and then they'll have a look at what's that payout going to cost them in goodwill or mark free marketing. Um, and realistically, they know most people that they're going to pay out are going to just stick with them and keep betting. And the longer you bet. With that one person, the good chance you're going to give most of it back. House wins. rules. And, uh, yeah, yeah, what an appropriate appropriate way to wear part um, to interject that gamble responsibly. If you do gamble on golf, please gamble responsibly. Uh, We're not providing advice here. I'm just interested in the insights into how that part of it Mm. uh, relates to. Now, um, but in all seriousness, does one follow – does one agency follow the other? You know, does one come out first and say, hey – Backed on John yeah. Rahm, we're paying out. And then the other one goes bang, bang, bang? Or uh, Normally, yes, I'd say. Look, and I, I don't know that if all of them did, but the, the big ones certainly did. Uh, I know in the States uh, the people are mostly betting with uh, DraftKings, so they, they've got their online book now. I know they paid out pretty much straight away. It was only hours after the announcement. So they went first. And I know that some of the Aussie books did as well. If you're betting on somewhere like Betfair where it's a, a different sort of exchange market, it doesn't count. It's a, it's a withdrawal. Um, but, yeah, look, a lot of them do. Um, whether they follow, I think it's it's one of those ones that now, whether it's golf or any other sport or anything else, realistically, sometimes even with horse racing, if they class it as a bad beat and they realise, you know, that – they can pay out on it. That's going to cost them X amount, and but it's worth a little bit more than that in, in advertising. Then it's an easy decision for them to make. Yeah, no, fair enough. I guess no one likes losing their money that way, and it wasn't a great way for the punters and uh, to lose their money, let alone for John Rahm to you know effectively, potentially, most yeah. likely lose a tournament. Rocket, you called it the COVID Cup, as we've said a number of times. What actually? went on like to i i watched a little bit of the replay so he'd already been withdrawn and i watched uh you know whatever time at night um when it came back on for the replay and i I was bemused but you know they've obviously known before he finished the 18th yep so so So, they just let him be out there and high-fiving him you know maybe that's a bit bit a bit of a stretch but he was out there playing playing around with all of the other people that were in that group and around that Group. So there's lots of people who have been defending because I've had a swing. I've had a, I had a fair swing at this one. Um, not like me to get on my soapbox. On your Twitters? Um, have you been active on the Twitters? Are you, you're back on the Twitter, I can see very clearly. Oh, yeah, I was swinging from both fences on that one, right. the, the, the grams and the, uh, and the Twitters on this one, and I was getting lots of uh, constructive feedback. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, uh, so... Uh, at the start of the week, Ram was known to be a close contact of someone that was already tested positive, as had the caddy. So through the week, so he didn't withdraw or anything like that. He obviously has notified the tour, whatever the machinations were. So then for the whole week, he was not allowed to go in the locker room and he was kind of had to isolate. That was someone's first defense of what he was doing. I'm like, oh, what is the, his caddy got a f- his own flag stick then, has he? So then they was talking about the caddy was like had been isolating as well, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think people really f- figure out there's lots of moving past this. You, 
It doesn't matter if John Rahm isolates. It doesn't matter if his caddy isolates. They're already touching each other. And then who's the caddy's touching the flag every day on every hole. So you think about the practice rounds, first round, second round, third round. So during four days, he has touched the flag. If you just say the flag, there's there would be many times where he's done other stuff. When he had the hole in one, he high-fived. Um, who's caddy? I think it might have been Xander's caddy. Xander, yeah. High five Xander's caddy, right? So he's now tested positive. So over four days, there is contact from his caddy with that flag and other players because this is also this is the, the disease is known to be one airborne and two stay on a surface for up to up to twelve days, all right? To live on a surface. Now, why I call it the COVID Cup is now Rams out. He's going to isolate. He might come back for the US Open. But what about everyone else? What about Cantlay? What about Morikawa? What about Shoffley? What about other players that have touched that flag, that the caddies have touched the flag? There is a possibility that the US Open is going to turn on its head because there could be, effectively, the memorial could turn into a super spreader event. Do we know if, uh, or have the PGA said, you know, these guys have got no worries because they were vaccinated or, you know, I would have thought that... They're not you know, vaccinated. Right. Well, Most yeah. of the tour players are not vaccinated. And when the John Rahm thing blew up, there's been a rush of players to actually go and get vaccinated. Because you've got to remember, most of the tour, they're a little bit right-leaning. Are you calling them anti-vaxxers? No, I called them right-leaning. All right, I'll call them anti-vaxxers because half of them are like Trump supporters anyway. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. I think uh, I'm just looking at the stats here. There's Nathan Hubbard online. He he put up a stat not long after saying consensus from the clubhouse on PGA Tour is 50% of the players are vaccinated, 50 aren't. So of the 50, 20% have had COVID and have chosen post that I don't need to get vaccinated. 10% are actively against getting COVID, um, vaccinated and then 20% have either been too lazy, afraid and just haven't got around to it. And that's where John Rahm had fallen into until Tuesday of this week. Um, and it was only because I think he'd obviously been in contact, like Rocket said, with someone who was positive that he'd gone and got his first shot. Yeah, right. Next, next so, couple of weeks is going to be very interesting. So he was... All, if anyone's touched the flag, say, in the last few days, yeah, they won't start showing symptoms for probably another few more days. So it'll be the, it, this next event, depending on who's played at that one, it could also blow up. Yeah. But the US Open is where it's going to get really interesting because that's only around the corner. Well, yeah, if it, the it, fun... Sorry, I'm sorry, mate. I was, I was just going to say that the, the funniest part that I find about it all is with their regulations on who gets tested and who doesn't. So the tour's regulation is if you've been vaccinated, you no longer have to submit to a COVID test. So even though that doesn't Wrong. stop you from getting it, so you could have people, like you said, right, as an example, that got it and don't have to get tested, whereas if you're not vaccinated, you need to get tested every day that you're on on site, morning or afternoon, uh, and go from there. But, yeah, I, I just find it odd. It's almost like they have the theory that, well, once you're vaccinated, you can't get it and can't spread it. And I think, obviously, that's incorrect. That's very, very odd. Well, yep. in my sphere, you know, you guys are 
probably two of the most uh, prudent COVID uh, people that I that I know. Um, so, and we're in Mel- we're in Melbourne, so you know we're the most prudent. We're most, I guess, one of the most experienced cities of lockdowns, keeping it at bay, and and more so how this uh, thing has spread. You know, like one person, you know, created a two week lockdown for us, essentially, yeah. or a couple of people from South Australia. Yeah, a couple of people. Um, Lady Crow, and and then you know those people. One of those people, you know, I can't remember the exact machinations of it, but you know, it got out into the air and all that sort of thing. So I can't imagine how this isn't going to affect all of these people that are unvaccinated that have been hanging around those guys. You know, like and Xander Shoffley's caddy has already tested positive. Is that what you said? No, no. I'm saying he's high five John oh, right. Rahm yep. when John Rahm had his hole in one in his second round. Mm. So. So, well, the COVID, <laughs> the COVID gold standard uh, tracing squad here will be uh, eagerly awaiting what happens uh, on that front. Do you, know, do you know what this means? What does it mean? Lefty's been at home just cuddling the Wanamaker in his golf cart. Mm. In isolation, San Diego, half the field could be missing. US Open dreams alive, baby. It's alive. <laughs> well, I wonder, well, Phil would have to be vaccinated. Surely, surely he would have. I don't know. It's probably in his coffee. <laughs> but just. That whole scene, you know, you hark back to at the PGA when they had to battle through those crowds that were just swarming on them. I wouldn't be surprised if he is because of the risk um, that his family would be under, no. you know, because obviously his his mum and his uh, wife obviously going through um, chemo and cancer treatment, so they could probably be in the high-risk category mm. if they were to catch it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone and done it. He just probably hasn't publicised it or figured out a way he could publicise it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's roll back and sorry to you know, bring everyone into this whole COVID discussion. It's, uh, you can't live a day in your life in Melbourne without having one, so um, thanks for uh, understanding. Until John Rahm was withdrawn at round three, he was playing some of the best golf that we've seen on the PGA Tour in a long time. He was going to win by miles. Yeah, absolutely. Would have been back to back. Mm. For this week? No, because he was defending champion. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was the thing. I nearly, I nearly put something up because last year he won, and he was won by finished three up, and then had that two, two shot um, penalty. penalty for the ball moving Double when chip. he went to chip it. Right, and yeah. I nearly said to somebody, he's going to need a few penalties to anyone to catch him tomorrow. And then two hours later, he was out of the tournament. Go on. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm spewing. I didn't look at the uh, look at the board on that one and and throw down on my man Cole because he won the workday there last year. Yep. So, did you have any joy there, um, Mike? You know, from a punting perspective. No. So my uh, my bet last week, or my main bet, was uh, Sander Shoffley. So he wasn't wasn't far away, but um, yeah, he uh, didn't quite get the uh, didn't quite get the result I wanted, but he wasn't miles away. T eleven on minus four. Uh, couple of couple of decent names in the top uh, top ten. Uh, my Celtic connections represented by, to be sure, to be sure, Mr. Shane Lowry. I always love seeing Shane Lowry in the top. Uh, He's hit a bit of form. Yeah, could be US Open. Yeah, you know, you know, well, let's talk about US Open mm-hmm. uh, form lines in a minute. Uh, your boy, your boy at T six on uh, also on minus six. Max, um, Max Homer. 
I'm I'm taking more and more to Max Homer. I didn't say that I was never off him, but uh, I've listened to him a little bit more, and he's uh, he's a fairly impressive young man. Um, I was listening to the interview with um, uh, the No Lay Up guys. Have already had an interview lined up with Bones um, post the PGA, and they just he just happened to be on Max's bag. Who the No Lay Up guys are massive fans and friends of Max's, and they asked him what he thought about Max's game, and and um, and Bones goes he. He reckons as a ball striker, he's top five on tour. I was like, wow, I knew he's good, but like Tones has seen a lot. He's high, high praise. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage, high praise. Um, yeah, it's very high praise. And then, you know, the, the areas that I know Max has talked about him working on, mental game, wedge game, stuff like that, they're the things that are starting to, Slowly starting to click. Mm. Uh, the the two guys that made the playoff, Cantlay and Morikawa. I know you're a big Morikawa fan, not so much Cantlay fan, uh, Rocket. But they they tried hard to, you know, both uh, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. You know, playing that last hole, did they not? It was messy. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit messy. But I still think, uh, yeah, that was a bad bad bogey by Cole. We, yeah, it's funny. Even when they the playoff hole, when they both hit into the to eighteen, or when they both had their last shots, and I think Cantlay had fourteen feet and Morikawa had five. All I could think of was there's only one of these parts that looks, I'm feeling like is going to go, and it's not the shorter one of the two. He just he just doesn't have that confidence with the putter, Morikawa. If he, if he gets it right, which he's is strange, which is strange because. Yeah. When he won there in the workday, he was yep. clutch putting all the way down with a normal grip. Yeah. Well, he's, that's for the week. We're exceptional. He was, I think his strokes game putting for the week were top 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the Adam Scott disease. It's in the head. Yep. Adam, Adam Scott was uh, not in the top 10, but where was Adam Scott? He was uh, T16. Oh, yeah, T16 minus two. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he was yeah. T16 minus two. Okay. Expect better from Adam. But uh, any any standouts, uh, you know, Mike, in any of uh, the stats areas that you that you follow? Anyone that you're starting to put a little bit of a red line against uh, coming into the US Open? Um, look, it's it's anyone who's starting to show form is obviously good. It's, you know, you look at the guys that went well, it's, it's easy to say they're the ones you're sort of going to start looking at. I think... It's, it's difficult because there's a lot of guys that obviously take a couple of weeks off. Um, so I know I was pretty hot on Cam Smith going well at the PGA. He's had a few weeks away now, but I still want to keep an eye on him because I still think that somewhere like Tory would suit him in, in a US Open setup. So if I, if I go back to sort of specific form lines, I'd still be probably bringing in the last six weeks worth of worth of results to really get a handle on who's going well and who's not going well. And then hope it pays off because if, you know, you look at those results for the PGA, there's no way Phil Mickelson would have come up in, in those numbers in a million years and he still won. So, mm. yeah. So when do you start to, you know, you start making your tabulations and computations now? Or, you know, you just keep filling in the spreadsheet now and just keep plying through yeah. it on? Yeah, spreadsheet's done. So Palmetto 
uh, is the tournament this week. So I do this every week. So I've run the numbers for Palmetto and I, it's a bit, it, we're not, we're not going to talk too much about the Palmetto championship because it's a horrendous field and it's a course that nobody's seen. So it makes it very hard to put any sort of big values of money on, but I'll have a look at what I think the form looks like of the players coming in um, and then have a look at what I think the course will play like. It's a bit of a funny week because all the uh, reports have been, I've heard I've heard over and over again that of course this week Congaree is going to play a little bit like Royal Melbourne and I'm not so like okay and the, the supposedly the course superintendent says and, and the designers have been you know you need to play it on the ground and really use the slopes and I'm like okay and then I've heard a lot of touts talking about who they're betting this week and they go into Harold Varner and he's shown good Australian form when he won the Australian PGA and that correlates you know Royal Melbourne design I'm like hang on that was a Royal Pines. For me, I don't see any correlation between Royal Pines and Royal Melbourne. They're not, they're not something that I'd sort of be saying, right, that lines up for me. They're not um, close. They're not close, no. Um, so, yeah, look, it's a tricky week this week, but, I mean, I, I will start looking at – I've had a, a quick look at the US Open and I've started running the numbers, but it really will start – Saturday and Sunday this week, our time. Once I really start getting an understanding of, I can see what the weather looks like now. Got thoughts and opinions of how the course will play. Um, probably try and see online through Instagram. What does the rough look like? Get some by then. The players are there, starting to talk about what it looks like. Go from there. What a level of an analysis uh, that uh, you're bringing to this uh, information here, mate. Now let's talk about the Palmetto for a little bit because there are a few Aussies playing. Okay, you said the you said your thoughts there on the field. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood's in the field. There's you know there's not there's not all uh, there's a few guys playing. But let's talk about the Aussies. Yep. We've got Cam Percy. Cam Percy's playing. Excellent. Uh, we've got um, I'll leave him till last. Actually, we've got uh, Bads. Bads dot com is in. Yeah. Snake. Snake Chalmers is in. Yep. Um, uh, Bobby. Bobby's. Uh, an uh, alternate. Who's Bobby's alternate? Bobby Allenby. He's an alternate. Oh, is he? Uh, he Reen, is, Reen, uh, yep. Reen Gibson is in. But he the one that needs to go to the bar or something like that and do a reverse reverse Hawaii. <laughs> um, but the person that I did want to give a little bit of a shout out to was uh, Mark Hensby, who was uh, teeing off at ten seventeen. Now Mark Hensby is a young boy from the Hunt. Well, he's not from the Hunter Valley. Tamworth isn't the Hunter Valley, but um, he was. You know, I guess one of the locals uh, up in my area is the elite junior golf uh, golfer that he was, similar sort of ages, and um, he would always give us uh, his time down at Cessnock. Play, spent a lot of time in Cessnock, so we got to know Mark Hensby pretty well. Little guy was a, was a wonderful golfer. John, John Deere Classic winner. John Deere Classic winner. Definitely was. Now, why did the John Deere Classic come up to me the other day? There was some connection there, which uh, I met someone who... Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It's three levels of connection. It was a John Deere Classic. He was a John Deere Classic winner in the year that Jeff Ogilvie got married at that uh, venue that was hosting that tournament. Now, do you run? Yeah, do you run? So John, so Jeff Ogilvie got married. Or maybe he didn't get married at the venue, but he, he was married at the same time. And Mark Hensby won. I'm pretty sure this story goes this way. But anyway, there's another group of guys from the Hunter Valley. Um, Mark Hale was the, the ringleader of that group of guys. They had won a golf tournament, the John Deere local pro-am type thing, and the winners of that local pro-am got a trip to the John Deere Classic. Now, 
Mark Hensby's one of these guys. Um, this other chap who's a greenkeeper who my brother knows, he's from the same town, I forget his name, he was one of these guys. They've ended up gate-crashing Jeff Ogilvy's wedding. <laughs> there you go. That's a long, that, that wasn't really – that just come to mind, but Mark Hensby won that tournament. Uh, there you go. Mark Hensby, good luck to you. Do we know – where Hens has been, he's been on the sidelines. He's been injured. He has he had that little bit of a, a timeout through missing the um, the uh, the urine te- drug the, test, the, the drug test, missing that for whatever reasons it uh, happened. He had some injury stuff. Injuries. And, I don't know. Mm. Don't know what else. It was a good play. Is he qualified seniors yet? I was about to say, is he is he prepping? Is he senior tour prepping? Well, I, I think I he's I a little somewhere. I think he's. He'd be on the cusp. Yeah, I think he's a yeah. little, little younger than me. He might be a year or half a year younger than me, so not quite, but uh, yep. not far away. Oh, I, I know you find that hard to believe, Mike, sitting here looking at me across the Zoom going, That's no. It. 20 days. 20 days' time. <laughs> 20 days. It, he's 20, 20 days' time. He's, he's 49. <laughs> he's 50. Turns 50 on the 29th of June. That's Yeah, there you go. He's 29th of June. I'm 29th of July. There you go. Might um, be time for the uh, Seniors US Open. 29th of July, yeah. Rocket, and Mike and listeners, just something small, just really it's significant, I know, but just something small, really, just in the post, mate. Yeah. Small but expensive. Well, I'm not going to ask for anything like that. You know, it, it is an unsponsored, unfunded podcast here. So, Oh, he's eligible for the by a week for the uh, US Senior Open. So there you go. go. Mark Hensby. Well, good luck to you, Hens, uh, the Tamworth Tearaway. Uh, did sleep in his car for many years on tour, um, all those stories you've heard before. But uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, name dropping of the uh, old fashioned style from me. It's my podcast. I'm famous for it. Um, all right. So, who do we think this weekend? The Palmetto. Do we know? Oh, firstly, Rocket, do you know much about this uh, Congaree joint? You know, I'd like to substantiate that it is Royal Melbourne esque. No, it's like some billionaire's private club in South Carolina. <clears throat> Don't even know how this thing even came about. Didn't even, I'm looking at going. Is this, a, is this like some sort of like alternate event or something? It is. Dustin it is. Johnson is actually playing in it. Like, yep. believe it. No, it's it's a fill up for Canadian Open, so no Canadian oh. Open, no transfer across the border. So they've they've put this one instead. Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one, and I think it was Harold Varner was talking about it a couple of weeks ago because they were really battling because. South Carolina is not super close to San Diego and they were trying to figure out how they were going to get the players across and they were talking about the tour trying to put on a a charter to get them pretty much out on Sunday and straight over and ready to go for a John Deere to the British Open sort of style. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, no, it's it's a funny week. Um, It's a funny course. It'll be interesting to see. Look, the course has only been there a handful of years, I want to say five or six years maximum since it's been 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 there. And um, my bet, I'm going very light this week, but I'm actually um, the two top names in DJ and, and Brooks I'm leaving alone and um, I'm just going to have a small bet. Brooks is playing. Really? I didn't see yeah. him on the list. I'm sure I saw he was playing. Uh, unless I'm mixing up names. Or unless he's withdrawn. Um, I'm having a bet on um, Ben Martin. Oh. Yeah, so Brooks is coming up on my model, and I thought he was yeah. still playing. I'm not sure about the yeah, team off, team off, he's, he's yeah, team, team off at 2.59 our time. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Ben Martin's my bet. He's swimming around, you know, 100, 120 to 1. But, yeah. 
nothing substantial this week. Save my money for next week. Yeah, I'm doing likewise. I've, just, I've looked at this and went, yeah, no. <laughs> No. Well, no. well, I want to publish these tips, uh, Rocket. So, who you got to pick someone? And Do someone, I have to? Yeah, Mike, you've got to keep record of who we're tipping, so you can yeah. know, report report it in. That's because I'm, I'm. If we pick the winner at Congaree, we've done very well. Okay. Oh, actually, no. Here we go. Brooks is in the field. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, I found it. Um, he's playing with Dufter and DA points. Um, Super group there. I'll, I'll have a swing at Pulse. What? Like it. There you go. Okay. Um, well, you know, the right. only, the only bet, bet that's left for me is to go uh, top top Scott. There's <laughs> probably one in the field. No. No, I'm, I'm allowed to go top Scott because uh, there is two. Um, Martin Laird. Marty Laird or Rusty Knox. I'm going Rusty Knox. I've been off Rusty Knox, and he's uh, actually shown me up, uh, shown me, shown me up recently. So I'm going to stick. I'm going to go back to Rusty Knox. I like and, it. And 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 not to steer away from uh, my Celtic cousins, uh, I'm going to go uh, top Irish, uh, top Irish golfer, because uh, there's two of those in the field too. We have got Seamus Power. I don't mind Seamus Power, but um, I'm, I would stick very clearly with uh, Ireland's favourite son, Padraig Harrington. So Padraig Harrington for a top Irish. Uh, I won't have a bet on the top English uh, person because Rocket's already picked um, Ian Poulter. So there you go. Top Aussie? Uh, don't Percy. know out of the ones we spoke about. Yeah, maybe Percy. Percy. Percy? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's probably hometown, yeah. hometown favourite there, again, Percy. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Okay, well, so US Open, we're gonna, we'll probably have another US Open you know, final Magic Mike's um, US Open picks. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the European Tour because it was another... Another uh, men's event there, which produced a, a new winner and a fan favourite, you've got to say, in the bullet, Marcus Armitage. Uh, the tournament was extended to the Monday. They had some delays with getting everyone there through um, you know, COVID transport hubs and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I was quite surprised to turn it on. I didn't actually know. So I was quite surprised to turn it on Monday night and see Marcus Armitage um, saluting. But what a, what a win for the young man. What do we think about Marcus? Oh, this is one of the few times... I'm going to have very little to say because I know nothing about this man. No, well, as we were saying before, I had seen Marcus but didn't know a lot about him and the No Laying Up podcast they did with him, you know, five or, five or so weeks ago was the first time I'd really got a handle on him and his personality, which is pretty easy to like. And so for me, the tournament this week was great to see him. I, I hadn't paid a heap of attention to it. It was a bit of an odd one. Um when you got the likes of, was it Casey and Answer that flew straight out of the States, straight over there to play it, mm-hmm. just to tick off the uh, sponsorship duties. The three-day tournament, just all a little bit odd. Uh, so I'd sort of watched bits and pieces. And then, yeah, come come the final round, I'd seen Marcus, the bullet Armitage, shoot a, a substantial score under par. I think he was six under maybe even on the day, six or seven under on the day seven, in the final seven round. under. Seven under. And uh, he looked like he was going to run away with it. I think it's a very odd course. I think they had three par fives in the last four or five holes and, and the par three 17th as per standard. So it was really, really good watch. Uh, and and to, watch him, to watch him sit in the clubhouse, it was exactly what you would expect from any of us. He'd finished, he, he walked off, he putted out and he, I think he was too clear at that point and he walked off the course and I'm thinking to myself, this guy could actually just about to win his first major event. 
and he's got his golf ball in his hand. And I'm thinking he's going to cherish that ball forever. And he took about 10 steps and the marsh, one of the marshals on the gate to walk out to the, towards the clubhouse or the scorer's tent was there. And he gave it to the bloke who must've asked for it. Didn't even think, didn't even hesitate. And like, and must've said something to him like, you know, cherish this, you know, whatever. And walk, kept walking. And I'm like, he's just giving away the ball. Um, went inside and then just stood around in the in the scorer's hut. And he was he was so because he come from so far back, he had a solid weight. I would say he would have been in there for an hour uh, before the the guys had come in. And so by the time they got right down the stretch, it was Southgate who looked like really the only chance to catch him. And he stood up on eighteen t. He got the uh, announcer's curse, and they said he's driving the ball substantially well this week. He's unstoppable and he hit a nice little uh, pull straight off into the water. So he was done. Um, and then there was one other player, I can't remember who that was, but he he needed an eagle on the last, and it was a par five, so he needed an eagle on the last to force a playoff. He had 220 in and they were sort of saying, you know, it's a long iron and he laid up. Laid up, yeah. Laid up. So everyone was a little bit astounded and went, well, maybe he thinks he's really close at chipping this in, but the, 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 the people on the ground, the commentators couldn't believe it. And so, yeah, they didn't even get, it looked like it was going to be this amazing finish. Like this could be down to the last part. One guy puts it in the drink and the other guy lays up and all of a sudden Armitage is walking off the practice fairway and he's the winner. It was great. Did you hear his um, Zoom call with his missus? No. <laughs> Isn't that the one where she was busting to go to the loop? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got this strong uh, Northern English uh, ac- accent. I think it's, um, you know, Yorkshire accent. And, and uh, yeah, first thing comes on is his big dog. So he's got this big, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the dog, but a big, one of those big dogs with the slovery jaws. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he comes on and he just starts talking to his, hello, boy, hello, boy, hello, boy. <laughs> Which was nice as a dog lover. I, I appreciated and respected that. And then he talked to his missus, and uh, and that was really nice. And he said, "All right, got got to Lou uh, Boston for we." And uh, she says, "Ah, me too. I'm going to get a crumpet." And uh, <laughs> it was just so like a normal conversation you'd have like when you're driving home or you're at work or sort of thing. Yeah. And he just won his first uh, European Tour tournament. It was it was a classic moment. It just I guess reflected the sort of uh, laconical and laid back guy that he is. But for anyone that doesn't know Marcus Armitage, and you should by now, but he was the guy that did that um, challenge with the car uh, down the runway and the driver catches the ball and it's the world record for the longest uh, you know, flight and ball and caught, caught by a car sort of thing. So, um, hmm. And he's been in quite a few of those European Tour uh, One Club challenges. They played that a couple of times. Yep. That got a bit of a run. I think he, he did it with uh, Nico Colsarts and uh, listening to those two guys, that was very funny. Uh, that gets and he gets, uh, he gets into the US Open. So now yeah. he's... Going to be shooting oh, across there. Yeah. Well, I've, when I looked up the um, the starters um, late today, he's certainly on the list. So he's got a spot. I'd be shocked if he's not making the trek. Yeah. Maverick Ancliffe held the lead going into the final day. What happened with uh, Maverick, Mike? Did you follow much of that? Yeah, he, he just – I think the best way to describe it is he, he, he just had a day that he just didn't make anything. Like nothing went substantially wrong, but I watched the back nine and he just couldn't make a part. Um, and he looked a little bit deflated. And I think by that point, he was probably only one or two under uh, for the week. And uh, he just wasn't, nothing was going in. He was hitting the ball quite well, but yeah, just just had one of those days. And it was probably the one day where he didn't want to have it. 
Oh, it was good to see him up there on the you know coming into that last day, but um, I'm sure big things are ahead for uh, Maverick Ancliffe. A lot of people got high expectations of the, that young man. Uh, nothing else to report, Paul Casey. So Paul Casey had to go across there for what sponsors duties or something, did he? Yeah, answer Abe answer and Casey. I, I think it was Casey, but it was definitely answer who'd shot over to uh, shot over to the shot back because they'd played. Answer had certainly played the week before on the PGA Tour and then jumped on the flight. I thought when, when someone was saying in the market he was coming up, you know, second favourite, I thought there's no way he's flying from the States over to over to play in Europe and then back to play a US Open, but he did. Is that Porsche because they're sponsored by Porsche or something, is it? I believe so. I don't think he made the cut either, so it probably worked out well for him to get back on the plane early and, and get back. Go over there, just nod your head, I'm appeared and... Psst. Yep, that's it. It must be worth a lot of money to them, you know, a sponsorship like that with Porsche. Like, I, I get it, you know, they, they get fettered in a couple of nice cars and all that sort of thing. But, you know, these are guys that can afford to buy whatever car they want. So yep. it's uh, it's an interesting one, these uh, car sponsorships, because they can buy what they want, but uh, they must get paid a hell of a lot of money as well on top of driving uh, nice cars for them and their family. But uh, good luck to them is what I say. All right, what else? Anything else, uh, gents? I know what Rocket wanted to talk about. Oh, hello. That was his favourite player and his very big week with Brooksy. <laughs> oh, how can we forget? How can we forget? We we weren't we weren't <laughs> skipping over that uh, Rocket. We we left that to the end. Um, it's so good. It just keeps blind. These these guys like we joked last week. I joked anyway. You know, set it out, settle it. You know, WWE charity boxing match style, and that got a couple of little um, chuckly. Uh, acknowledgements from uh, my Instagram followers and thank you to um, Ginger Ninja for that. Uh, he was supportive of the concept as well. But uh, it's becoming a little bit of a joke now, is it not? That's great. It's doubling down. And here's the thing is that the more it gets talked about or the more that people think it's not cool, it's going to happen more. So you had people in the, <laughs> people that were at the event. So when Brooks is either before he hits or after he hits saying, Shot Brooksy, well played Brooksy, come on Brooksy. And he's actually had a few um, players punted. I think a few spectators escorted from the course. And then Brooks, then not being there, did a, uh, a Michelob ad saying he was going to give away 50 slabs of, of Michelob for anyone that was uh, ejected. Uh, ejected from the tournament. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And then then Bryson is confronted about it, uh, asked about it with a couple of journos, and he goes, oh, you know, it's flattering. He's, he's saying exactly what he needs to say to not sound like a, a tool, but he was obviously, he's he's rattled by it. And I've seen a video this morning, and whether if this is true or not, this is going to be amazing. So apparently the so the, the golf club that's hosting the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is in a few weeks, um, Someone's written in Bryson's locker in the back of it. Let's LFG Brooksy, which like let's yeah, go yeah, yeah, yeah. Brooksy in his locker. I might be ah. appro- I might be approaching fifty uh, rocket, but I know what LFG <laughs> means. All right, so I'm I'm down with the cool kids talk. All right, it's uh, so good because he's the it's he's so def- he's defending at the rocket. Is that's did he win that last? No, year? He's, it's um one of his sponsors. Sponsors. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's. Now that we're getting brand marketing involved, you got to you got to think it's bit, it's it's a bit past it now. Yeah, you know? it's time to kiss and make up. No, not really. No, Brooks okay. doesn't care. 
Yeah. Well, obviously. See, here's the thing. If Bryson says nothing about it, Brooks doesn't care. Yeah. But the thing is, though, Bryson's going to say stuff about it. So Brooks is going to go, I'm going to entertain this. Yeah. Because as Brooks said, you can't troll a troll. <laughs> yeah. And he's very good. Brooks is very good. Uh, my, my, look, I think it's funny. And I think that this will set up, I think someone mentioned, I can't remember who it was, but they mentioned the fact that, you know, that next, the match game, there's, there's going to be good money to see these two go head to head. Uh, and something like that's what sets it up. The only thing that worries me is how out of how much encouraging the public to give it to, to Bryce and how out of hand can it get? That, you know, like I think it's funny calling Hey Brooksy, but if someone starts doing stuff that's a bit out of order, it'd be a bit weird. If they just if they leave it at that and it's not yeah. during his shot, anything yeah. like that, I'm okay with it. As soon as yeah. they do, as soon as they cross that line, that's yeah. no, hundred percent. They're going to ruin it for everyone yeah. as long as they stay within the realms of we'll call it normal etiquette yeah it's certainly a lot better than uh you the man yeah um or usa 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 (laughs) um you know just doing something like that if that's a little bit of taunting like come on and and some of the commentators talking about oh it's not in the spirit of golf really have they watched bryson for the last four years there's a lot of things that he does that is way way worse that is so not in the spirit of golf so please please are we going to see any of the Bryson fans out there following along Brooks Kepka going, Good day, Bryson. Go, Bryson. He's got fans. I was about to say, I don't <laughs> think he's got any fans. <laughs> oh, dear. Face manager. <laughs> well, I set that up. I teed that up. Of course he did. And, and what's funny, right? He's posting all these videos about some of the drives that he's hitting. And my, my favorite one, I think it was in the third round, where he's absolutely just launched one on 18 at Muirfield. He's drove it down there. He said, like 60 into the green. Chunked it, hit it 30, made bogey. Beautiful. Keep driving it long, Coco. Keep (laughs) driving it long because the rest of your game is shite. Well, the marketing people at Michelob must be having a field day on this, you know, when they're they're using their star property to um, capitalise No, I reckon Brooks did it. Really? I reckon he'd come up with the idea straight off the bat. He would do that. I guarantee you. He would go on, I'm going to do this. He would have just made it up. Well, He would have rang him and said, I'm going to give away 50 cases of beer because I'm going to create a video like this. But someone, you know, heard he, people he would, on the ground getting kicked out. Surely he wouldn't just do it off the back and go, yeah, I'm giving 50 slabs. Like a 50 slabs is like you know buying a six-pack for him, so it um, doesn't really matter in terms of the cost of it. But you would have thought he would have contacted his sponsors and said, you know what, I'm yeah. going to have some fun with this. I'm going to give away this, and I'm going to make yeah. a bit of a commotion about it. Someone at the marketing high high board level there at Michelob have gone, that thumbs up. Fastest yeah, go. tick ever. Okay. That, would, that so would have been the fastest tick ever. So then it becomes a Michelob marketing initiative. When they give that approval, if he has gone through that process going, I'm going to do this, like it or not, well, then that's one thing. But if he's given them the first right of reply as a paying sponsor um, and they've gone, yeah, go for it, Bryson. That's uh, uh, How how well is it paid? The three of us are talking about it in a country <laughs> that you can't even probably buy a bottle of the I've stuff. I've never drunk a Michelob in my life. No. <laughs> never oh. will. Well... It's going to be interesting to see. It's a little bit of sidewalk entertainment uh, in the world of golf and, you know, in terms of this pip and this whole thing that we ragged on last week, um, it seems to be doing its job somewhat. Got a rabbit hole. Oh, hang on. Well, we haven't had those uh, radars, reviews and rabbit holes, but we're going down a rabbit hole. Have we wrapped up? Rabbit hole means something not really um, golf-related, Mike, but um, have we wrapped up on the golf chat? This has been okay? Everyone's all right? Yep. Mike, you're happy joining us? You know, it's all good? Always love it. Always good times. Mate, I like the new setup and like the new mic. I like the new uh, you know, spit filter or the pop filter or whatever we call it in this podcasting world. You are now official. You are now official. 
Out of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get your my, my love of golf backdrop there for the for the back of the room there or something like that. Uh, you know, a little bit of a pop up stand. I've got I've got stickers here somewhere. I've got to find them. They're right here. <laughs> oh, well, did, did, we, did we did we pick up on on that bit of um, Melbourne Street Archery on Chapel Street? <laughs> did you put Did you put that up? Or no. Or oh no, I put it. Room? I put it. Oh no, I don't know if it's the person that put the sticker there. I can't remember actually giving out so many of these stickers. And I've got some right here, but Rocket, someone's popped a My Love of Golf sticker on the s- side of the street lamp in uh, on Chapel Street in, in probably Melbourne's highest profile street. It was great. I loved it. Giddy up. So uh, if anyone wants a sticker, please email me and I'll send you I'll send you some out and, you know, don't put them in like the locker room of the Olympic Club or anything like that or don't <laughs> put them in the back of anyone's locker and don't do that, anything like that. Um, no, anyway, there you go. Sorry, you were going to say, Mike? No. Oh, rabbit hole. Rockets Rockets rabbit hole. Sorry, I took over there. Rockets rabbit hole. So finish this week. Haven't done one for a while, but it's two parts to this one. So I'm a massive Rage Against the Machine fan and Audio Slave and Tom Morello, but I'm even a bigger Bruce Springsteen fan. So this is like my two two of my favourite worlds just smashing together. The interview, so people have to Google the interview, Howard Stern, Tom Morello, and Tom Morello surprising Bruce Springsteen. All right, so they'll, they'll find that one. So there's a three minutes talking about um, how Tom Morello came to just play this one song, Ghost of Tom Job, which is a classic acoustic um, social justice song um, that Bruce Springsteen had done, and talk about the story of how that came about, and then the trials and tribulations of when he first did the first sound check with E Street Band and the challenges he had there, and a, a, a little gift that he did in the performance when he got on stage. So the solo um, that they did, he performed, he didn't actually perform during the sound check. So he left it a bit of a straighty 180, bit of Chuck Berry sort of straight music in terms of the solo. And then what I want everyone to then go and have a look for is Bruce Springsteen, Tom Morello, Ghost of Tom Joad from 2009 at Anaheim. And that uh, the official video for that one is the uh, uh, Vivo music one, which is, I think, for the Bruce Springsteen channel. And if you need me, email it and so we can put it in the show notes. But that is the actual performance. So you'll see the legitimate one. And what you'll get to see is that song and Tom Morello performing with Bruce Springsteen, which is amazing. And a song played like not, not how it was recorded, but then you get to actually see the solo and see the look on Bruce Springsteen's face when he starts shredding it. It is just pure gold. Watching the boss effectively sort of trying to sort of stay like in the moment and just like going, yeah, this is awesome. But at the same time going, oh my God, what is this man doing? It is, it is gold. Three minutes for the first video, eight minutes for the other one. It is electric, absolutely electric. Well, for all of the model of golf fans that are audio slave, Rage Against, Against the Machine, Machine, Tom Morello Bruce Springsteen. and Bruce Springsteen fans. Uh, we'll put the link to that uh, video in the show notes and you can give Rocket some feedback. Uh, appreciate that. Guys, thanks for uh, the support. Like, share, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week on the uh, My Love of Golf podcast.